The Outlet. The Voice of Central. Welcome to The Outlet. I'm your host, Brent Harbour. In this podcast, I talk to Pippa from Presbyterian Support Services Otago. They're looking for mentors and positive role models for children for their successful buddy program. And wilding pines pose threats to the environment and the economy. I speak with Ali Ballantyne Timms, the chair of Mid-Dome Wilding Trees Charitable Trust, to find out how the trust formed and their challenges, actions and future plans. But first, let's look at local news in Central with Anna Robb from the Central app. The Outlet, local news. Kia ora, Anna. So we're talking art, surfing, photography and horticulture. Kia ora, Brent. Local artist Marion held a drawing night on Tuesday the 13th of June at Central Stories. I attended, together with a bunch of others, and along with great creative chat, cheese and crackers and a cuppa, we got to get up close to some museum treasures before they returned to the archives. She's planning to do more of these every couple of months, so head along, have a sketch and get some tips from a patient teacher, meanwhile supporting art in our community. Tomorrow, June the 17th, our monthly artist profile is published and it's a goodie. He's a surf photographer who lives in Bannockburn, very talented behind the lens as well as when answering questions. Be sure to check it out. I worked on a horticulture story this week about an industry and government partnership to help growers to move to produce food with a lighter environmental touch. The program is called A Lighter Touch and the first local plantings have gone into the ground on an apricot orchard in Roxburgh. They're using learnings from a Gisborne citrus project where beneficial understory plantings were established to enhance biodiversity and good insect populations. This is all about moving from an agrochemical pest management approach to an agroecological crop protection approach. It's really interesting. It's something the Central app will continue to follow as the project progresses. And for the latest local news and sport, make sure you check out the news button on the Central app. The Outlet. The Voice of Central. There's a produce bag workshop on Tuesday the 27th of June from 7 to 9pm. Now it's an event by Wastebusters Alexandra and Central Otago Reap. It will help you get ready for plastic-free July. Learn how to sew your own produce bag. It is free entry, but koha is appreciated. The value of having great role models in children's lives is well known. But due to a range of circumstances, not all children get to experience and learn from supportive adults. To help fill this void, Presbyterian Support Otago has developed the Buddy Program, which contributes to the social well-being of children by matching them with carefully selected and trained adult volunteers in a mentoring relationship. Pippa Wellstead is the Buddy Coordinator for Presbyterian Support Otago, and she joins me now to talk more about the Buddy Program. Hi Pippa, welcome to The Outlet. Hi Brent, thank you very much for having me along. It's nice to talk to you. Now the Buddy Programme is really fantastic. Can you give me a bit of a background about how it came about? Yeah, absolutely. So we come under the umbrella of Presbyterian Support Otago, which is a non-government organisation. Um, began around 1840. The Buddy Programme was started out by a volunteer in 1991. Within a couple of years it was evident that the infrastructure was not in place to support the ever-growing numbers. So PSO, Presbyterian Support Otago, took over the running of the programme. And in 1992, yep, that was in 1992, we had 15 matches in place. We've now got over 120 matches throughout Dunedin, North, South, East, 
and Central Otago and in Wanaka. So it's going from strength to strength. We're the oldest mentoring program in New Zealand. So what are some of the key benefits that children gain from having a positive role model in their lives through the Buddy program? Well, the idea really, Brent, is that we aim to boost the lives of children with friendship, fun, encouragement and positive attitudes. With two hours a week from an adult Buddy volunteer with one-on-one time, then being number one again in Buddy's life just can have a huge positive impact on the child's life. And it's not only the young buddies that really um, benefit from it, it's also the adult buddies. Yeah, they find it really enjoyable too. So yeah, it's great. It's really good. Can you please share a positive story about the impact that someone has had in the mentoring relationship? Oh, I've got to keep it to just one. <laughs> I've got so many of them. Yeah. Probably my favourite one, well, I've got two favourites. Last year I matched two little boys, um, siblings, very close in age. And I matched each of them with an adult male volunteer at the same time. When they joined the program, the children were withdrawn, quiet, shy, quite difficult to engage with. And within six months, I mean, I saw them regularly, but it was just incredible. Six months later, okay, we had a function and both boys came bounding in, laughing, joking, mischievous. They'd just really come out of the shells. It was just, yeah, brilliant to see. But probably my favourite of all is I've got a buddy who's been a buddy now for 18 years. I think he's just coming into his 19th year. This is an adult buddy. And he's just been to the wedding of his first buddy. So he was matched with him when he was six and he buddied with him until he was about 13 or 14 when he went off on his own. Um, branched out into the world and um, yeah he went along and he was yep he was a guest at his wedding so yeah that's just hugely successful really yeah it's fantastic it's brilliant yeah that's a fantastic story now you are looking for volunteers so how do you provide support and guidance to volunteers to help them get ready and be prepared for the program yeah really good question we um, are pretty selective we get lots of volunteers coming through we really spend our time getting to know them so we do an initial interview and then we do training which is usually eight hours there you know eight to ten hours either over a day or over two evenings We then do final interviews, so we really spend a lot of time getting to know them to make sure that they are going to be the right people and that we're going to match them with the right people or the right children. And then once we match them, it's not just here's your child, away you go, we'll catch you in a year. We're very much on board with them, checking out after the first few matches to make sure that everything's going okay. We do supervision once a month, so the adults come along, all the adults come along to an adult supervision and that's a cup of tea and a bit of cake and everybody, we swap the good, the bad and the ugly. We might have some gumboots which are too big for one child or too small and they'll come in again, they'll be swapped and sent home to another baddie family. So as is the coordinators, we're very much there. We can be in there as much as needed and we're definitely there, you know, for any of the tricky times. We, and we celebrate the volunteers, you know, we do two buddy outings a year and we celebrate the volunteers with a nice thank you um, at the end of the year in the form of a social occasion. So, yeah, it's great. So you're looking for people from diverse backgrounds and life experiences to volunteer as adult buddies. So what specific perspectives or qualities are you looking for? Firstly, they need to be able to commit to two or three out two to three hours once a week or once a fortnight. It has been once a week up until recently, but we find that people are time poor and 
and they're shying away a little bit of care, they know they've got to give up every single week. So even if it's every two weeks, it's absolutely great. But we're really looking for kind, considerate, reliable people um, that are keen to make a bit of a difference. But above all else, okay, they want to have fun. You know, they just want to get out and have some fun with the child. And we, people come from all walks of life. I mean, my youngest adult buddy is 21 and my eldest is probably late 70s. So there's some grandmas and grandpas, but there's some really cool young people coming through that have got got a lot to give back as well so yeah it's really they just want to be able to make a bit of a difference and they've got the time and they've got the empathy and the kindness and the compassion to you know take on a little child that could do with a hand of friendship oh that is brilliant look it's a wonderful program that you do what is the best way Pippa for people to get in touch with you okay best way we've got our email address which is all in lowercase it's family works central family works central at psotago.org Dot nz and the phone number is 0508 396 678. Well, that's great. Well, Volunteer Week is coming up from the 18th to the 24th, so we really encourage people to get in touch with you, and thank you so much for chatting today. Thank you very much indeed for your time, Kerry. I really appreciate it. The Outlet. Jobs Board. Here's some of the jobs you'll find listed this week on the Central App. Tarbot Street Dental Surgery Alexandra are looking for a friendly, motivated dental assistant to join their wonderful team. Now the position is four days permanent plus one day flexible. Dental surgery experience is preferred but not essential as training will be provided. Pure Services Cromwell are looking for an external maintenance cleaning technician. You'll be working as part of a team or independently and carry out specific and specialist cleaning functions for their residential and commercial clients across various sites. And Cromwell and District's Promotion Group are looking for a communications and marketing manager. They want a positive, community-minded person with a passion for Cromwell and all it has to offer. You'll contribute to the promotion of Cromwell for the benefit of both tourists and the local community. And you can find out about these jobs and many more by clicking on the Jobs button on the Central app. You're listening to The Outlet. I really like the interviews. I like that it's easy to listen to while I'm at the gym. I like that it's local and all about this community. The Outlet. The voice of Central. Ice and Line Central has organised an ice activity program for the July school holidays, teaching ice skating skills with a professional coach. It's open to school-aged children, and the program is an extension of skills currently being taught to schools in central Otago. All the information can be found by clicking the Things to Do button and then what's on on the central app. Wilding Pines pose threats to the environment and the economy. In this interview, I speak with Ali Ballantyne Timms, the chair of the Mid-Dome Wilding Trees Charitable Trust. We chat about how the trust formed and their challenges, actions and future plans. Can you give me a bit of a background on the formation of the Mid-Dome Wilding Trees Charitable Trust? Yeah, sure. So I got involved as a relatively newly elected Environment Southland councillor back in 2002. um, I attended a volunteer day because Mid-Dome was kind of within my constituency. And it just gave me a really good um, idea of the work that needs to be done there and the huge issues that we were facing so over the next few years, sort of worked really hard with Environment Southland councils and staff to try and come up with the right approach. And in 2006, we formed our charitable trust. And we, right from the start and to this day, we take a real partnership approach. So our partnership partners are Environment Southland, 
Dock and Linz. Dock and Linz because they have land holdings up there and also um, involving local landowners as well. We got ourselves up and going, but really over the next probably 10 years, we struggled with a lack of funds. We just didn't have enough money. So the game breaker for us was when MPI set up a National Wild and Conifer Control Program. I think it was about 2017. I was involved in the governance group of that program at that stage for several years. So we finally had some um, decent money and by that stage we had some effective control technologies as well. And that program was ramped up with some funding for Jobs for Nature, which went from 2020 to 2023. So we finally had some good money, we had the control techniques and we could make some real gains uh, with wilding control up there and kind of get on the front foot. But unfortunately now MPI have cut that funding right back and despite a lot of lobbying, it's looking unlikely that we probably won't get anything until 25, 26. Um, we've got a huge operational area, it encompasses about 70,000 hectares. And up until this year, we've spent about 17 million on control. And we've just reviewed our strategy and that's telling us that we can complete the work up there so that there's no coning trees. That'll probably take about another 16.5 million but the issue for us, Brent, is that now we're facing this funding deficit. We're going to be lacking about 300000 uh, per annum, and so those costs will compound on an annual basis. Wow, okay, so yeah, some funding would be good sooner. So wow, what are okay, the potential so impacts of wilding better. pine spread so on the, the native vegetation and wildlife in the project area? Yes, there's an awful lot of dock land up there. Um, species like the Karairaya, a New Zealand falcon, um, they rely on insects and lizards that live in the native tussock and other vegetation up there. Um, so that's part of the issue, and I guess the other side of it is there's a lot of productive farmland which has been taken over by infestations of wilding, so that loss of production for farmers as well. So what are the potential impacts of wilding pine spread on the native vegetation and wildlife in the project area? Well, they're huge. We're at the stage now we can hand back some of that productive farmland to farmers because they can then manage it themselves, but with probably some assistance from Environment South. But if we didn't get rid of these trees, it would just be a, a monoculture of, a just of um, mainly Pinus contorta and they just um, compete farmland, they outcompete the native vegetation. Uh, they have severe impacts on uh, water yields as well because a pine tree needs a lot more water than perhaps tussock and so on does. There's some pretty extensive impacts if we didn't carry out this work. What are some of the economic consequences of the spread of wilding pines? Yeah, well, generally, you've been past that area, you see it when you go past the jollies. It's high and it's remote, it's cold, very steep. Uh, there are some farm tracks that we can use to get contractors in, ground control crews and so on, but that can often take a long time. Uh, this last season when we had helicopters up there that were doing some aerial control work, we were able to utilise those to pick up the contractors and take them right to the site, so it means we can get a, you know, a full eight hours work out of them. Some of the contractors stay on site in accommodation that's provided by a local farmer and that also makes for um, big savings. The weather is a real problem for us. It's a very high and windy site and that can impact on some of our control methods, particularly when we're doing the 
aerial boom spraying and also pretty tough on ground control crews. It's steep and pretty difficult underfoot at times. So it's not an easy environment to work in. What are some of the challenges that you face in accessing and controlling the remote alpine areas where wilding pines are growing? So we've basically got three control methodologies and it just depends on the size of the of the trees and also where they are. So we do a lot of ground control. So these are groups of contractors and they'll use chainsaws and loppers and um, hand pulling. As I said, we've got the um, what we call the aerial foliar spray application so this is a use of a helicopter with boom sprays where there can be a problem with that we really need um, the right kind of temperatures and not too windy so as much as that chemical gets onto the trees as possible and i guess least risk of spread to native vegetation we apply buffer zones around native vegetation so that we don't impact on them and the other tool that we use is what's called abba so that stands for aerial basal bar applications. That's where we use a smaller helicopter and you have someone working uh, like a wand out the door of the helicopter and that'll apply herbicide to the trunk of a tree. And that's quite effective on smaller trees that that can knock them down. I don't think we've really cracked it yet as far as the aerial spray application goes as far as the boom spraying because you can't go to the store and buy something that's going to kill a pine tree because you know why would chemical manufacturers produce something that they would see as a productive tree so um, we used various crews we have had some success but quite often we have to go back and respray because these trees are really difficult to kill. Thank you so much for all the work that you and the trust are doing and thanks for having a chat today. Oh, thanks Brent, appreciate the time. Download the Central app from the App Store or Google Play. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Outlet. The Outlet is produced and published by The Central App and supported with funding from the New Zealand Public Interest Journalism Fund. If you have a story or an interview you think should be featured on The Outlet podcast, get in touch by clicking on the Contact Us button on The Central App. The Outlet is available on the main page of The Central App and wherever you get your podcasts.